Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the Channel Seed Studios, Nick Oson and Jake Brand talk all things Big 12. This is Firmly Entrenched. Powered by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Here's Nick and Jake on Iowa Everywhere. Welcome into the Channel Seed Studios. It is Wednesday, January 17th, and wow, has it been a long week. It feels beautiful outside. It's a high of, I think, 20 right now, and it seriously feels like a nice April day. As always, we're presented by Heartland Flags and Gifts and Steeple Ridge Bourbon. I got it right in front of me. Nick? Yeah, I would guess it's been equally as cold up in Wisconsin. How have you been this last week? But first, happy birthday, my man. You can see it in the background. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Yeah, I promised that that was not a show for me to do or anything. My my girlfriend takes great care of me, so she wanted to do that, friend of the show. Uh, Jake, it's interesting. So, you know, obviously it's been super cold. And, you know, similar to you, it's a high of 14 today. So not even quite 20. You're not seeing kind of those numbers that start with two or three. But I swear to you, I threw on a jacket and some shorts to get my lunch and I was fine because you're exactly right. It's just it's like a different, you know, kind of comparison to what it has been. And it's been terrible. I know what it is in central Iowa. That was the worst I had ever experienced. I remember getting gas in Ankeny thinking like, is this normal here? So I definitely remember that. But things are turning a little bit for the better. Yeah, I've been going sweatshirt, flannel then coat over so today it was just oh, sweatshirt wow. and it feels oh it feels good yeah it's like spring break out here we've got <laughs> a lot to cover it has yeah. been not only a crazy news week just a crazy news day so we'll, we'll get into a byu reaction talk about the big 12 the women's basketball team and then we'll close with some nfl before the race of the day so the iowa state women's basketball game on Saturday against TCU is canceled. Yeah. The Horn Frogs don't have enough available players. They canceled their game tonight against K-State and then Saturday. Iowa State gets a win for it. It won't go towards Bill Fenley's career win total or anything like that, but it counts as a win in the Big 12 standings. I personally have never seen anything like that 
other than I, the couple COVID years where mm-hmm. that was pretty common. But really, really shocking <laughs> news coming out of Ames. I was actually just looking ahead at my schedule for Saturday, wondering if I was going to go up for the game. So I guess that answers that question. That's a huge, <laughs> it's kind of a huge deal. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, I mean, I understand, like, obviously somebody's got to get the win. I'm with you. I have not seen that in years, you know, since the initial COVID stuff. Other than that, I'd never really seen it. And I didn't really get get the full chance, uh, Jake, to kind of look into it further. TCU dealing with, like, injury, sickness, a little bit of both? We don't really know. What, okay. What we do know is they've lost at least two rotational players to season-ending injuries. Okay. From what I've seen, it could be more than that. There could be sickness. We don't know. I am I would guess that comes out in the next couple of days. But, yeah, they're, they're having a good season, too. So it's not like it's this 0-6 team in Big 12 play that's been getting their teeth kicked in, had a couple of players quit. Like, they're a fringe tournament team. So Oh, yeah. Just in – just an odd deal. We'll get into that, into the women's basketball discussion in mm-hmm. a bit. Caden Proctor, former Southeast Polk five-star in the transfer portal. It's just, uh, we'll talk my Cowboys, unfortunately. We'll do that later in the show. Yeah. We reserved a 15, 20-minute time slot for me to rant. No, it won't be that long. <laughs> I could go that long. It won't be that you could. long. could. But let's jump in to some basketball. Today's show presented, as always, by Heartland Flags and Gifts in-store at 3719 Southwest 9th Street. You can go online at heartlandflags.com, get free shipping anywhere in the U.S., have it delivered right to your door so you don't have to go outside and walk more than three feet outside. You know how brutal it is. Free shipping, of course, new products constantly. It's that time of year. Eight teams left in the NFL. You're one of them. Get yourself a Heartland flag and show off your team spirit. The Cyclones punked in Provo 87-72. They fall to 2-2 in Big 12 play as the Cougs also move up to 2-2 in Big 12 play. They gave up 13 made threes. BYU shot 35 of them. We kind of knew that that was going to be their strategy going in. Nick, initial thoughts on Iowa State's worst margin of defeat this season definitely jake you know i i think that it's one where i don't think either of us would have been shocked if we knew ahead of time that that it may be a loss but just kind of that differential the margin that surprised me you know badgers were playing uh, at almost the exact same time but i was able to have really some eyes on this one as well and i know we're going to get a little bit further but i would just say You know, the three-point shooting disparity, I I felt like going in, that was something we, you and I, touched on last week. So we knew that BYU would kind of be centered and focused on that. I felt like, you know, they needed that win. Uh, BYU did, obviously, dealing with some losses early in Big 12 play. You know, and it just continues to show playing on the road in that conference is just an absolute gauntlet, my friend. Yeah, it's one of those things where – it was kind of a matter of time before there was going to be a loss like this, just with how Iowa state plays that it's been pretty apparent through four games on the big 12 schedule that this team still can't consistently get good looks 
like you would think maybe they could have going into the season. Mm-hmm. Combine that with the style of defense they play, not how they play defense, but the style. There's a lot of traps in the post, a lot of blitzing screens, and that leaves you suspect to the team shooting a lot of threes. That I mean, that's been the strategy the whole season long. What comes with that is weak side help, hoping the other team misses. And that's just kind of what you sacrifice. Last night, the weak side help was not there. I felt like the defensive intensity was maybe the lowest that this team's shown this season. Not that they were out there not caring, but no. It, if they were at a 10 in the Houston game, they were at a 4 or 5 last night. And that, I mean, that's just a recipe for a loss combine that with losing the turnover battle something that i think if that happens at home they might lose if you lose the turnover battle on the road i don't know if they'll win a single game with that with that stat all year long it the three-point shooting that's i feel like that's where you're gonna have a couple off games but the three-point shooting through four games has been bad in every single game i've got some numbers from our our friend clones jer on twitter in conference play these are the three-point percentages from iowa state's key perimeter players Taman lipsy 18 percent milan mumchilovic 26 percent gilbert zero percent he's o of eight and then kurt jones 22 percent and then Pavletsky, also 0%. He's only taken one, which was just a shocking number. And then the team as a whole in conference only 21.7%, by far the worst in the conference. Nick, what's your concern level for the shooting? I was just thinking similar, and, and I was going to kind of pass it to you, Jake, because it's something... You know, I think there has to be some level of concern because it's not just a one or two game sample size anymore. I I think we expected some of the shooting numbers to be a little bit tougher within conference play. I mean, the Big 12 is incredible. There are some really good defenses. And and it's just it's the first time in Big 12 for some of these guys like obviously Lomchilovich, Gilbert's new. See Jones, Pav, you know, Lipsy, of course, has done it, but still young and you still don't want him to be the go-to three-point shooter. So I would say while I'm somebody that very much kind of takes things one game, one week at a time, I'm not losing my mind over it. I think there's some concern because we've, as we've discussed, the personnel is kind of who, who you have at this point. Like, you know who you have, you know the best ways to play offensively through these guys. And you're not going to start turning to some of the fours and fives like Trey or Rob Jones or or other guys to kind of be your kind of preeminent three-point shooter. So it's something whether, you know, you're switching up the offense, you're scheming a little bit, you're drawing more ATOs, something like that for more open looks. I know that some of these misses have been open looks, of course, but I'd say there's certainly some concern there right now, my friend. Yeah, I think the strategy going forward it, it's the same formula that the roster's built how the roster's built it's continue to create turnovers and and score in fast breaks mm-hmm. one because that's the the strength of the team and two 
it's just going to be hard to generate half court offense in the Big 12. There's so many good defenses. There's just so many good teams, so many physical teams in the half court. I I think you just continue to try and get Mumchilovich looks on the outside and do your best to have Lipsy and Gilbert getting to the rim, getting fouled, making your free throws. And then just kind of that grind it out offense. You feel like you kind of have to. Yeah. And it's, it's not going to be fun to watch really at all. Even when it's working, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a joy to watch, but then you also capitalize on the emergence of Hassan Ward. Who's been incredible Mm -hmm. in big 12 play, but it's just, it's still so susceptible to ring droughts, which is ultimately why in the second half last night things got away from him and you suffer a 15-point loss that I'll make the point could be a good thing just because of what practice will be like probably tomorrow after a rest day. The staff is not going to be happy about the 87 points on the other side and it'll be a a really, really, really tough step could pay dividends in the long run for a pretty tough road ahead. I know we're going to dive into that a little bit more and then kind of, you know, transition into some big 12 as well. But my question for you, Jake, you were looking at it a little bit more of a long-term view, just in terms of this matchup, what do you think can be improved, grown upon tweaked for that matchup back in Ames? obviously outside of the atmosphere and of course, hoping for more health for guys like Lipsy and such. Yeah. That's another thing. I totally forgot to mention Tim and Lipsy's shoulder injury. Yeah. I've been, I, I was courtside against Houston. It, it's just, it's kind of looked like Lipsy has been banged up for the last couple weeks. I have no insight on that. I haven't talked to the coaching staff or trainers or anything like that, but just with how he plays always on the ground be pretty hard for him not to be banged up. So Travis Hines of the Des Moines register made it sound like it's not going to be a miss game type of injury, but certainly something to monitor back to when BYU will come back in early March, actually. Yep. I I think it's the, the, the game plan is going to be, if it was my, from my perspective, I would say probably focus less on the double teams just because when you're doing that, you're playing into what BYU wants to do. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, sometimes you play your way and, and hope it works and just hope BYU is making seven threes instead of 13. And sometimes it's lazy, but sometimes that's just how basketball analysis can be. I don't even think that is lazy in this case, man. I mean, we, you've really established and even impressed me as we've kind of had this show with some of your breakdowns. And and I think that's exactly right. That's some of what I would go with, especially for a team like BYU that essentially does live and die by the three, like some of their best successes and most impressive non-con wins. They were shooting better from long range. Obviously you saw uh, some of their personnel playing into that last night. So, like I said, you know, I missed maybe five minutes of play, five to eight. But outside of that, I totally agree with you. And I, I'll go ahead and say, yeah, if BYU is making 
seven, eight, maybe even nine, maybe at, at uh, you know, in Ames at, at Hilton, I would already chalk that up as a win for Iowa State. You know that, you know, the atmosphere is going to be incredible. It's been really good throughout much of this year. And now you have kind of that added ward wrinkle as well, which maybe featured a flop from uh, from the Cougars. Oh, he <laughs> I think Ward got his money's worth on that one. That, that maybe a little bit of a sell, but that was a pretty clear shoulder to the neck. But man, I don't know what what they put in the water out there in Utah. But in my lifetime, I remember two games in Provo last night and then back in 2013. Both games had an Iowa State player get ejected for a flagrant foul. Just those games just get drunk. I know there's no alcohol out there in Provo, but <laughs> the games, for whatever reason, Big 12 after dark, it gets drunk. So you mentioned it. BYU will be back in Ames in March, which is which is a good thing. It sucks that you have to look, be like, oh, do the do they play again? Just yeah. with, the, with the unbalanced schedule. But the road ahead, these next two two and a half weeks it's a it's a t- they go today against k-state who's off to a good start they beat number nine baylor last night ku at home the following saturday and then at baylor at texas which texas is down this year but austin has never been a kind place for iowa state in basketball has been in football but not in basketball. I th- I look at that. I look at those five games laid out. I think you need two to tread water. One would be not like totally panic, but maybe a, be a little alarmed. Zero, obviously, or you're panicking. And then anything three and above is certainly a win. TCU on Saturday, that's a really tough game. Not only are they going to be coming off of that loss to Cincinnati last night, they've already beat Houston at home and then handled Oklahoma pretty easily. And Jamie Dixon's a good coach. I know the Cyclones had a good win there last year, but it's a, it's an important game. You can't for call both any, teams. Yeah, you can't you can't call it a must win for Iowa State. But yeah, you look at that stretch. It'd be really nice to get one of these next three. Do you want to kind of take a, an early prediction at what you foresee happening? I think they'll lose. I just, this this team has to do it on the road once for me to buy in. But I will, okay. I'll expect kind of an uglier game. TCU doesn't shoot a bunch of threes, which does play a little bit more into Iowa State style. And again, it's going to be a tough week of practice for Iowa State. You you look at the road ahead. There's there's probably a sense of we've got to get a road win out of the way. I, I think that'll be the motivation from the coaching staff. So I, Ken Palm is currently projecting at like a 49% type thing. I would go TCU like 65 to 60, something in that range. Okay, so so a, a close loss to begin that stretch. 
I see two. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a chance they could win all of them, not saying five and oh, there's a chance, obviously, with these opponents, you could lose a lot or all of them. I, I foresee a two and three stretch at least. You know, I, I, I think I agree with you in your kind of TCU breakdown. Kansas State, man, they've got some good wins at home, as you noted in that Baylor win. But I, I think I like the makeup of Iowa State better in terms of personnel. Obviously, some more guys kind of used to the scheme a little bit. And again, that's a home game. And then you look at that Kansas game. And as many weaknesses as I have seen, not as many, but a couple weaknesses I've seen in that Jayhawks team, it does look like they're maybe finding some comfort. Obviously, I'm sure you saw Bill Self kind of switched up the starting lineup a little bit. And and they rolled over Oklahoma State. Not that the Cowboys are having a good year by any means, but they're pulling like Jason think, Garrett right now. They're eight and eight. <laughs> I think that yeah, I think both of those games that Hilton end up being wins. And then you see what happens in the Texas road trip. Yeah, so let's we've already kind of done it. Let's shift into just some big twelve talk. We'll present this one by Steeple Ridge. Mm-hmm. Bourbon distilled down in Lonely Oak at the Lonely Oak Distillery. The black label right here, it's the it's the stronger one. I would uh probably recommend that for road games that are a little tougher to watch. Puts the hair on your chest. And I'm hoping that a lot of Iowa State fans enjoyed a glass of Steeple Ridge bourbon on Saturday night after just an elite day to watch the Cyclones. After an elite week of watching the Cyclones at Hilton Coliseum. Get this at your local grocery store or liquor store. And if they don't have it, just ask for them to have it in stock. The Big 12 is nuts. This is not breaking (laughs) news. We've known this was going to be the case. I mean, year in, year out. And then once we found out that you were going to be joining it, it, it just took it up another level. Right now, I would say there's 11 and a half teams alive for the tournament. I'm pretty comfortable crossing off West Virginia and Oklahoma State. And Central Florida is a half. Every team is alive for the tournament. Joe Lenardi of ESPN has 10 Big 12 teams in the tournament in his latest bracketology. Texas is the team that would be left out right now from him. I've got some stats from... KenPom.com. So 36% of games have been settled by four points or less or overtime, which is the second among conferences. And then on the other side of the same coin, there's only been four blowouts, which is qualified as a flat out grind. And it is appointment television every night it's on. It's always fun to see, you know, whether I'm doing some coverage or just kind of checking some scores and you go to the NCAA basketball scores, you know, under top 25 and just about every game you see includes a big 12 matchup. I mean, it just shows, you know, not only the ceiling, but the depth of this conference, like you referred to a little bit. I'll put you on the spot here just for fun. I mean, we're about two months out from kind of that selection Sunday area. How many teams from this conference do you see getting in, Jake? 
I think it's 10. Who, who gets bumped out? And that's assuming that Texas is left out, which I don't think is going to happen. I think Texas will eventually figure it out and make it in. But then that would leave one team to probably get knocked out just because I don't think there's going to be 11 teams. That would be that would be crazy. So yeah. knock out one team at a state. But Tang's got that thing humming again, it looks like. So I, I don't know. It's just goes to show the quality of the to the middle of the conference. I want. I want to say 11 because I think Texas figures it out and I'm not sure who we would drop, but you're right. I mean, over basically one sixth of the teams just from one conference, that might be a little bit hard to see. So, yeah, I mean, whether that's, you know, a K-State or I don't know, BYU loses some games. Tech, yeah, that was my first thought it'll be interesting I, I think there are definitely four or five just absolute locks uh near the top obviously but i just find it kind of to be a fun conversation and, and you're exactly right it makes for appointment viewing not just for the casual fan but even for for the diehards that you see that's probably some of the best quality basketball on those tuesday thursday saturday afternoons you're going to see really anywhere in the country until we get to some conference tournaments Speaking of NCAA tournament teams, this is a conversation I did not expect to have in the middle of January, but the Iowa State women's basketball team appears to be well on their way to another NCAA tournament appearance, which would be maybe the most improbable, unpredictable trip to the NCAA tournament under head coach Bill Fenley. From the channel seed studios the cyclones are five and oh kind of six and oh kind of if you count the tcu forfeit i don't know when that will go into effect on the standings will that just i believe it's already done it is already i done? thought so too yeah okay so yeah we'll call them six and oh yep and they've never been seven and oh in the big 12 and they've got a big game tonight at texas tech but just big picture man this team is fun to watch they're resilient game the start to that game the turnovers i want to say there was nine in the first quarter and they finished with i believe 14 something like that yeah no more than 15 for sure but they the first quarter it just looked like yeah they're it's just not their day baylor's Mm -hmm. a top five team they're going to beat them pretty handedly. And they just clawed and battled their way back. Addie Brown, Audie Crooks, both not just Big 12 freshmen of the year candidates. They're a lock to have one of them. But they're Big 12 player of the year candidates at this point. Which, the, when a freshman is doing that, it's setting up the cornerstone for what the next three and a half years could be because there is a lot of special, special talent that's brewing in Ames. And it is, uh, it's here. It's not developing really anymore. It's here. It's going to continue to develop, but the Cyclones are here as 
real Big 12 contenders, which is crazy. <laughs> Thinking back to November, how we talked about this team. Yeah, my man's almost speechless over here. But, you know, some credit, Jake, obviously, to the team, of, of course, and I'll continue with that. But we said that we kind of felt like they'd win at least one of those two massive games last week. You're weekend. right, yeah. Yeah, did I pick them to to stay undefeated? Not necessarily. Did you and pick I wanna... both of them to be double-digit comebacks, one of them being <laughs> 19 points? <laughs> that one I wrote down. But, no, uh, you know, I, I saw – Really cool video. I mean, this was shared by like everybody that was on Cyclones Twitter uh, from Mark Freund, you know, oh, another yeah. local TV guy. And, and to see, you know, Fennelly was just like, like a nine or 10 year old kid just filled with that happiness and, and kind of enjoying and embracing in that moment. And that was pretty cool because to me, uh, it shows the obvious what you see, right? The, the enjoyment and the happiness just about that moment, but also you just kind of step back and realize, and we, we touched on it briefly last week, Jake, I think this is exactly what this program needed because it had so many familiar faces, great players, obviously, you know, would be incredible in the regular season and then maybe didn't go as far in March as, as many expected, certainly like last season. But this year, it's just kind of like a, not a rebuild, but like a reset in terms of a lot of the talent and personnel and you're getting to see like wow this is why this is one of the top eight ten five whatever you want to say kind of most reliable uh, and respected staffs in the nation for women's college basketball so it's been really impressive i feel like crooks and brown obviously got a lot of the attention coming into the year but i'm not sure anybody would have picked them both uh to hit it this hard already obviously no. so i think that's been you know, quite a story. And now, yeah, we add that that sixth win, like our great producer said, and now you just look to see how long does this undefeated stretch go? You got to give props to Emily Ryan, of course. That's been talked about so much. What yeah. she's brought back, just a calming presence. Hannah Bellinger has been maybe the biggest surprise of the season just from where she started to now. She's become a knockdown shooter, which I know that's what she came in as, but correct, yep. the jump from Division II Truman State to Big 12 basketball is pretty massive, and she's made the jump pretty much seamlessly since really that Iowa game yeah, in early last December. last month and change. Yeah, it's, it's clutch shots. It's really clutch defense all around. Kelsey Jones has really been kind of the glue of the team as far as what she brings on the defensive end. She she hit two big shots, one in the West Virginia game, one in the Baylor game. It, it's just, it's a team that's coming together. It's really fun to watch. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see where it goes because next week they've got a pretty tough road. They go to KU and to West Virginia, two teams they've already beat, but they'll have to do it on the road. But nonetheless, you win tonight, you start 7-0. and That's, I mean, that's setting up 11 games left of a legitimate Big 12 title push. And they haven't won an outright regular season Big 12 title since 2001. Wow. So I was and still if this the, were the team to do it? I was still in the womb when that, wow. when that happened. So it's, 
Bill has had, Coach Fenley has had some incredible teams over the years, but it's been 23 years since they won an outright one. And like you said, if if this was the one to do it, that'd be crazy. But it's not a bold prediction. They're going to get one these next four years. Oh, yeah. I have no oh, doubt yeah. in my mind. And, I mean, not only will they do that, but they're going to officially lock themselves into another tourney berth soon. And then it'll just be fun to see kind of how the youth and the talent shows up in, in kind of these do or die games. We're still a little bit uh, removed from that still, but you know, that's going to be really intriguing. And from what I understand, this is not, you know, coming from a, a work point of view. I wasn't there this entire time, but just, you know, reading what I see and gauging fans excitement. This is some of the most excitement that I've seen, I think in four or five seasons I believe since Ashley Jones sophomore year or so just in terms of the overall collective joy focus and kind of that spirit around the women's basketball team in Ames. Yeah, it it's been cool to watch and it seems like it's rejuvenated Fenley into yeah. maybe the the twilight of his career if maybe this is his last group that that he kind of rides off into the sunset. I have no idea. He he could go another 15 years with with how he's coaching right now, but it's been incredible to watch. Let's move into some NFL. Did you see AJ Klein? I did. That's the mo- that's one of the most unexpected turnout. So I'll give the audience who doesn't know. So AJ Klein was it seemed like pretty much retired before the year he was. He was a free agent, hadn't been picked up. He got added to the Bills training camp for what I believe is his third stint in Buffalo and fourth with Sean McDermott, who was his defensive coordinator back in Carolina in his like early pro days. Early years, yeah. Um, he doesn't make the roster, and then someone gets hurt he comes back on the roster, and then I want to say early December, once they activated Dawson Knox on the 53, he got dropped again. So it's been since Christmas, he hasn't practiced. On Thursday, he gets a call after another Bills linebacker gets hurt. Hey, we're going to need you. So <laughs> he said in his postgame presser that he was already planning his family's vacation had the rv packed, packed up, up for it yeah yeah it was all packed up and that's that said who doesn't want to play playoff football flipped to <laughs> buffalo they had a couple injuries in the game he goes in he leads the team in tackles, team in tackles. yeah 11 was it 11 or 12 uh i think it was nine. Oh, okay you might you might be right though i thought i thought, I saw, I thought it was I double digits yeah maybe nine solo okay Maybe nine solo, but I mean, Klein's this vet. Josh Allen gives him a shout out after the game. <laughs> and a couple of the young guys on the defense were saying they call him Uncle Klein. Just a guy <laughs> who's been around the block and they put him in. And he's an impact player. This guy who graduated from Iowa State in 2012. Yeah, 2012. 12-year NFL vet comes in and does it. That's a 
It's a really cool story. Cyclone Football on on social media put out a cool video of the presser mixed with his highlights. Go and check it out. But it's a man, cool, unexpected story. Yeah, he had a eleven, you know, eleven tackles, seven solo. I, I oh. saw some of the love Josh Allen was numbers. giving him. No, dude, you're good. And and it's just that just kind of shows you know, the wiring of just football players being different in a positive way. Like, yeah, just chilling on the couch, all packed up. We're, we're about to take off. I think it was the next day or so. And to get that opportunity to have to play in that crazy experience with the weather leading up. And then of course to be, yeah, top three guy on the entire defensive unit, that game, you know, the safeties and, and Klein, I'd really say, uh, that was really impressive and, and it was fun. And it's just part of, and I mentioned it in the rundown as, as we're going to make some fun picks here, no matter your favorite teams, your favorite sports, like there's always some type of cool connection or story you can find in the NFL playoffs. And it's one of the reasons why this divisional weekend is probably my favorite two day weekend of the sports calendar like nothing's wow. going to top that first weekend of march madness but there you're getting those four days and this is just always kind of been my go-to because it's it's still the playoffs like the wild card but also you're getting usually closer matchups more competitive the biggest stars so needless to say when i saw this on the rundown i was pretty excited yeah two two cold weather games that's what i always love about the divisional week it just it seems like it's always miserable outside, <laughs> which just makes it awesome. Bills at home, Ravens at home, 49ers, and then the Lions in a dome. Did you see <laughs> did you see the reporter ask Todd Bowles about how they've <laughs> how they've been preparing to play out in the cold? Aiden, did you see this? Yeah, it was like Todd Bowles was trying to not be <laughs> A jerk about it <laughs> yeah he was nice right i, yeah, I only no, he heard was, about it yeah he was nice it, he just said you do realize we're playing in a dome right which <laughs> yeah detroit has played in a dome since like 1992 or something like that <laughs> right which yeah that that cracked me up and i know the feeling of being the reporter that asks the dumb question it's the worst feeling ever i'm glad bulls handled it like a good sport he could have been a lot worse about it but man that was funny i, I don't even know how i got to that but this weekend we're just going to make some picks for the game no we're not going to keep score or anything like that but it, we'll just spend a couple minutes on each game uh let's start with texans at ravens this one's 3 30 on saturday on local five are we picking winners or so let's winner just go spread? winners? Let's okay. just go winners. Okay. Um, this is probably, yeah, this will be the second toughest for me to pick uh, because I know we were touching on it a little bit earlier, uh, maybe before the show as well. Texans just kind of have that feel around them. It's been an incredible story. Obviously, they've got a ton of young talent, they're only going to get better. Ravens, maybe the most complete team, them or the 49ers, in the entire league. It's, of course, at home. You know, really strong, just top-to-bottom roster. But they haven't necessarily always 
you know, been able to get it done or get as far as their record would say. I think this is a good one for the first three quarters or so. And I just trust that Ravens defense to get one more stop. I could even see a Justin Tucker game winner. Um, but I do like the Ravens to win and likely cover. I think it's like three and a half points. I'll, I'll go the other way. Okay. There's got to be an upset this weekend. You can't go all chalk and I'm going right. to pick Houston. Stroud is, in my opinion, solidified himself as a top six quarterback. Wow. Just he can make every throw. He's got the swagger. He's got so much power on his throws. And we still have not seen Lamar Jackson do it in the playoffs. I I know that there's been some funky games in there, weird weather, but this is not the first time that Baltimore's been a favorite at home and then they lose. So I one one of the one seeds is going to go down this weekend. That's my bold prediction. Respect, dude. I and love I, it. I think it's going to be Houston to take them down. I, I cannot wait. Like the fact that this is in my opinion, the least intriguing game of the weekend makes this, ah, let's go Bucks-Lions. This is probably the the third most intriguing game of the weekend. But that makes it for, man, that makes it a great weekend in in the league. We'll move into the Packers and Niners. Before that, we got to talk about my pathetic, no good, horribly run. franchise gosh what a miserable i knew that game was over so the packers went down the field scored and then i want to say it was second down dak looked for cd there's a miscommunication i knew the game was over right then this this team that has had the (laughs) best quarterback wide receiver statistical duo this season the best chemistry literally have been on the same page since week one all of a sudden, don't know where each other are. It was a total unprepared massacre that was... And dude, did you hear how early, kind of like you're saying, how early Burkhart and Greg Olson in the booth were kind of getting on that? Because you're exactly right. It was like, after the... It was after the... They mentioned the it the first series. throw, but the second throw that... I mean, there was probably five or six miscommunications between those two in the first half. Yeah. I think after the second one, they're like, what is going on? And that's <laughs> what I was. I was at work. I was yelling. I, I was just appalled because if there's been one constant of the team this year, the defense has been inconsistent, extremely talented, but inconsistent. There's been next to nothing out of the run game against any good team. They can kill the commanders all they want. They couldn't run the ball. Everybody knew that, but they still go out trying to establish the run. The one constant the whole year has been Dak to CD lamb. And for some reason, the lights get bright and it just doesn't work. It was pathetic. I, I wanted to turn the game off as soon as it was 14 zero. I didn't, but I wanted to. I was tweeting, bring back Jason Garrett, if that shows oh, what gosh. type of mood I was in. But man, McCarthy has to go. You have to get, you have to do everything you can to get Mike Vrabel. And I know that Jerry Jones won't do it because Jerry Jones does not want somebody else getting credit. Rant over. Gosh, I hate the Cowboys. Oh, they <laughs> pissed me off so much. 
Ah. I'm mad at the man because they let these Packers yeah, keep going. And the Packers, it's like a third Death Star. <laughs> they go, they have a guy. They have a guy again, and they don't deserve him. They do not deserve a guy. How do they? I, I'm clearly in shambles. I kind of went a day or two without thinking about the game, but I hadn't really publicly <laughs> talked about the game since it ended. So I felt like that was necessary to get out. I, we're stuck in NFL purgatory is never going to be good enough to win three or four straight games. That's just, it's as simple as that. I hope I'm proven wrong eventually. I know I won't be, but that's uh yeah, that's, that's it. I didn't get a witness I, any of the five Super Bowls. I've seen four playoff wins in my life. I think you'll get there eventually. I I really do. But as we as we kind of transition, just briefly, we won't spend a ton on this one because, yeah, I think there's kind of the excitement around maybe the quarterback matchup and, of course, so much talent on the 49ers. But I think that they knocked the Packers out, and, and I think they actually maybe do it by double digits. I just feel like they have all the pieces. We don't need to tell our great listeners how they have a quarterback now in San Francisco that certainly has the talent, accuracy, and the trust of his teammates. Look, I was impressed by Jordan Love, and, and I think that LaFleur's play calling was phenomenal. But 49ers are kind of that buzzsaw machine. Uh, so I actually personally do see both one seeds winning this weekend. I will pick an upset, a minor one, but not that one. Um, the, the thing with this game, the recipe for Green Bay, if they win over the years, that Kyle Shanahan is not the same coach when coaching from behind. And we still have not seen, through a year and a half of Brock Purdy in the, in the NFL, we have not seen Purdy come from behind from like a double-digit win or double-digit deficit and win the game. That's where, if you point at where Purdy's been at his worst or lowest as an NFL quarterback, it's been when they're trailing. So I could see Green Bay just getting up 10-0 early in that like being enough. But on the other side, I could see San Francisco with McCaffrey 50 yard touchdown, get a stop up, get a so oh it's either gonna be a San Fran blowout or I think a win. And that's uh that's not I know it's not a great prediction, but I'll I'll go San Francisco by 13. How about that? Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, dude, that totally makes sense because you're saying it won't be a, a close San Fran win, I guess. But yeah, I think I'm with you. Um, man, okay, I won't look ahead. I'm very excited for that fourth game. But Bucks Lions, I I the intrigue here for me, you know me well enough. Certainly our listeners do. But you know, I love sports and I love not the, you know, kind of vague, generic stories that are, are often kind of mentioned, but when you really see somebody kind of making it or somebody achieving something when there were just so many doubters or people making fun of one person I'm referring to or, you know, the memes, all the stuff you see on Twitter. I'm talking about Baker for the Bucks and more so Dan Campbell for the Lions. I think that what was lost in... 
you know, his initial hiring and press conference and and what people don't often understand, whether they want to just kind of be the bullies or whether whether they will just kind of live behind the the paper and the stats is in the NFL, you know, well enough, man, you need a good leader of, of men in the NFL. And I think Campbell just has all that. You know, people know I'm kind of I'm kind of sensitive, man. I loved when he was crying. This would have been his second year, 2022, when they just couldn't buy a win. I think they fell to like one and six after another close, uh, close loss. And I'm like, man, that's a team in my division. But I respect the hell out of that. And now, you know, they've got the Jared Goff factor. Oh, he was just tossed out of L.A., several guys like this and that is why even though they're in the chicago bears nfc north division i'm really kind of pulling for this detroit team i think it's a beautiful thing and as long as they play their game jake they're about to be sitting in the nfc championship two years removed from like a two-win season i think the lions win this this is the This is the game where if you're waiting to see if a team gets up double digits so you can go spend time with your girlfriend or make a trip to the store, I think this is going to be your safe bet of like the second half might be over. I think Detroit's going to win this one handily. And I, I couldn't help but think this during their win over the Rams. I got it felt so similar to the 2016 game one of the NLDS Cubs versus Giants. The Javier Baez moonshot home run that barely made it to the basket. And that night, I just, I felt something like this is actual. Like this is the team of destiny. It felt part of that watching the Lions beat the Rams in a game that I don't really think they should have won. Mm. Like on paper, it felt like the Rams should have won that game, but the Lions did just enough. I I don't know. There's a lot of Cubs-Lions type of destiny correlation there. So I, I agree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Lions. Yeah, no, man. I, I love our breakdowns. You know, it gets kind of fun just outside the line stuff. And then... My man, I don't know the last time I was this excited for a playoffs game, the final game. Chiefs, Bills, Mahomes, Allen, Reed, McDermott, two top seven, eight defenses. I know we work a lot in this this awesome business, but I am really going to try to watch that one. The Chiefs are one of my favorite teams, and I will say that it was it was pre-Mahomes, but I do like Mahomes. I love Kelsey. Josh Allen's become more likable in my eyes. So this is one I'm really hoping for a good game. You ask me to pick, I think I'm going to roll with Mahomes and the Chiefs until I see proven wrong. Unfortunately, I agree. I I don't want the Chiefs to win. I'm sick of it all. I I want to see somebody else. I like Josh Allen. The AJ Klein story. Yep. But the cardinal rule of the NFL right now is you don't pick against Mahomes. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he's throwing 
if he's thrown to the Bondurant Ferrar, really good football team, if he's thrown to their receivers, it doesn't matter. You still pick them. <laughs> and they've they've got the best Chiefs defense of the Mahomes era. Yep. It just gosh, I'm just dreading that Super Bowl. Oh, I'm dreading it. But with that said, what will it be? Chiefs Niners? I think so. With that, that being was my said, pick preseason. With that being said, I'll be cheering for the Bills, but I just I think the Chiefs are gonna do it. Close game? Close game. And it's gonna be an awesome game. Yeah. Like I, I can't wait. These cold night games in the divisional round. Oh, it gives me chills. It's it's one of the best thing in sports. I love it. I love it. I can't wait. So I, do you work that night or will you be able to see it before work? I work, but my Sunday routine is watch football while I work. So okay, no doubt about it all. I'll be locked in. <laughs> Man, I love it. That was, that I, was fun. I did mention that like kind of bank on a blowout in the Lions game. I'll be at a Drake women's basketball game that starts at one. One, I believe kind of banking on not catching most of that first game, but the five thirty game I'm locked in locked in the whole time. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I remember right when I moved to Iowa, dude, I think it was my second weekend. There was that legendary classic chiefs bills in the playoffs you know, Mahomes to Kelsey setting up the the Butker field goal. So, I mean, that it's just one of the better rivalries, even though the two quarterbacks are very good friends. But I'm excited, man. And, you know, this felt kind of like one of our first couple shows where we squeezed a bunch of topics in in a good way. This was a this was a blast, man. Well, well worth coming on my on my birthday. Well, enjoy the rest of your birthday. We're going to be back next week. We're going to see how right or wrong we were it's a big week in sports not just for the cyclones but the nfl too as always thank you so much to heartland flags and gifts steeple ridge bourbon we're recording in the channel seed studios we'll be back next week iowa everywhere